You're listening to The Social Workers on WCDB Albany. Welcome back to The Social Workers on WCDB Albany. My name is Eric Hardiman, and I'm here with my co-host, Alyssa Lotmore. Welcome back, Alyssa. Hey, Eric. Happy start of the semester. The semester is uh, moving forward. It's, it's been an interesting semester with um, COVID and with, you know, following all that's going on in the community. It's, it's been a, a challenge, but also a real joy to be working with students and continuing what we're doing here at the University of Albany. How about you, Alyssa? No, I'm, I'm excited for, for the semester. And I'm, there's a lot of things that are happening virtually, which provides some more opportunities for those who aren't local to attend. And one of the things that we're having is continuing education workshops, which are used to be in person, but now they're via Zoom. And one of the upcoming workshops is the world of domestic minor sex trafficking. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today with two of our presenters. Yeah, so we are very fortunate to have two guests on with us today. We have Marcus Stallworth and Karan Webb. Marcus, is a social worker and is a director. He's right now the director of learning and organizational development at Welcome to Reality. And we'll find out what that is in just a few moments. With over 20 years providing child protective services, Marcus has been recognized by the state of Connecticut as an expert witness in numerous court proceedings. He has spearheaded several initiatives to promote the engagement of fathers, preventing child abuse and neglect, and addressing the dangers of social media, among many other topics. He also has experience educating and supporting victims of human trafficking and sexual exploitation, training staff on sexual orientation and gender identity, and advocating for those in foster care. He also plays a leadership role on the board of directors at the National Foster Parent Association and with Connecticut's Fatherhood Engagement Leadership Team, also known as FELT. He's also a member of Media Literacy Now's National Advisory Council. So our second guest, and they'll be guests together, so we'll just weave this into a conversation, is Karan Webb. Karan is Director of Operations at Welcome to Reality. He has been in the social work field for over 20 years and is the Connecticut Chapter Lead for Media Literacy Now. In this role, he was instrumental in the passage of two Connecticut state laws mandating education on the safe use of social media in public schools. He also works as an independent contractor and as an adjunct instructor. Karan is the vice president of the Association of Black Sports Officials. And in this role, he advocates for the rights, uh, rights of and opportunities for black sports officials and pushes for equality among officials. So we are just honored and thrilled to have both Marcus and Karan with us here today. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, Eric. And uh, hello, Alyssa. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate this opportunity to spend some time with you today. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's such an important topic, and I want to just get started. Um, we'll jump right in. So you're going to be doing an upcoming workshop, and this is a podcast, so some people might be listening at a later date after this event. But you're going to be doing an upcoming workshop, like I said, titled The World of Domestic Minor Sex Trafficking, and that's through the University of Albany's Continuing Education Program. That will be held uh, pretty soon on September 23rd from 9 to 12. But as we, as we have this conversation, I'd love for you to give information that about the workshop, but for those who can't attend or who are listening at a later date, 
information about this topic because it is a really important topic. And I believe when we think about sex trafficking, the role of social media must have, you know, with so many people connected to individuals that they might not know. How, what is happening in Connecticut right now um, and with social media education in public schools? Sure, Alyssa, thank you very much for those questions. And they're so important and so right on time for the discussion that we're gonna have today and also in the training that's coming up during the week. So a lot of times when people hear the phrase uh, human trafficking or domestic minor sex trafficking, sometimes we conceptualize that as something that's taking place in some third world country or somewhere way, way, way out there, wherever there might be for you. What people don't really realize, many people don't understand is domestic minor sex trafficking happens more times than you realize in the United States and many states and some people without them even realizing it, perhaps even in their own city. Now again, yes, some of the stereotypical representations that you will hear and see have some truth to it. But again, you know, there was a point in time where you'd have like the, the person who would come in the van and open up the sliding door and say, hey, want some candy? Or, you know, make these kind of luring type of gestures. And yeah. that's actually worked against us, who, us who do some advocacy work, because people get landlocked in some of these kind of identifiers. What we really learn and discover is domestic minor sex trafficking happens with all colors, genders, social and ethnic, social and economic backgrounds, and what we also understand is that most time, the ones who are part of trafficking, luring, or uh, using different tactics are right in plain sight, right in plain sight. So those are just some of the things that we would like to open and expand people's awareness about, Alyssa, as we introduce a part of the conversation about what domestic sex trafficking is and what are some of those stereotypes so we can address them and offer some clarification. And how do you think, uh, Marcus, how do you think the uh, general public and sort of people out there in the community typically find out about this topic? I mean, you know, it, it seems like it's been more in the news in the past couple of years and people are maybe starting to learn more about it, but there's still, as you put it, there's still a lot of stereotypes out there. So how does information get shared? Yeah, Eric, I mean, that's a great, that's a great question. And, you know, just being 100% transparent, like many of us, most times we really realize what's happening when we have firsthand experience or we know someone who's had experiences. There's a lot of issues in the world that we can devote energy to addressing and looking into, but you know, those who've either been approached uh, and lured into this world have family members, schoolmates, students, friends. A lot of times that's where that information comes from. And believe it or not, there are ways that we could use technology in purposeful, resourceful ways. There are quite a few resources that are available that can provide information for those who have an interest in learning more about the topic in general. Great. And what role does technology play? Because, you know, like you said, you have sometimes this, this view of like, oh, a person coming and sliding their door open and saying like, oh, come here, come here. But how is with the the availability of technology to so many young children and, and teens, how is technology playing a role? Yeah, so, you know, with technology, like 
like we all understand, it makes the world very big, but it also makes the world very small. I mean, we're using technology in this immediate moment to serve a purpose. Therefore, those who have different agendas can also use the same reach to kind of reach out and lure other people. And I think this is where the social media piece comes in. So let me just take a snapshot of what myself, Karan, and Anthony will talk about um, in the upcoming training. So there are three major ways where um, domestic minor sex trafficking uh, is used to kind of keep people intact. And again, this could be, it's not gender exclusive, but by force, fraud, or coercion. So usually those are the three main tactics that are used to lure kids, keep them in, and prevent them from running, telling others, or seeking help. Technology plays a great role. Why? Because with technology, you know, if you have a smartphone, you have a laptop, you have an iPad, or whatever device you have, you have access to the whole entire world. So for somebody who has a different agenda, it's very easy to look at technology, see what people are posting, see who looks like they're in a good space, seeing who looks like they might be a little sad, seeing who people who have similar interests, and how can we make these quote unquote coincidental connections to them? And you know, sadly, you know, there was a great piece of uh, when we talk about family dynamics and back in the day, as we say, how things kind of played out, you know, with technology. Uh, it has created a level of separation from the sense of community, some of that face-to-face -face interaction, and that even means in the family as well. So a lot of times, you know, we've done some research at Welcome to Reality that suggests that parents spend on average of school-age children of less than one hour of purposeful time a week with their children. So again, Karan and I, we asked the question, if we only have our attention, the attention of our children for an hour a week of purposeful time, purposeful time, who else has the option or the possibility to have their ear? And again, just yeah. to kind of conclude this part um, with your question, a lot of times kids are being, you know, approached through their devices. So it's not like someone's knocking on the front door or even in the park or the playground. Sometimes it could be inside the own household as well. Yeah, and I'll just add, uh, for, ironically, Marcus mentioned, mentioned that piece in regards to the devices, um, just the parenting and the supervision um, that should be, that is definitely needed in regards to overseeing, you know, these devices being used or what have you. And just think about the times that we're in now. Um, this is probably like prime time, unfortunately, for these traffickers. Um, and these buyers are lure into these devices, hack them, do whatever needs to be done here. And I just think, you know, it's even more important now for this topic to even be talked about because, again, as sometimes we do get lax in regards to using the devices and, and also a distraction for minors or even adults using their devices where there's nobody um, able to supervise them or they're not actually paying attention to how they're being, you know, lured into this world here. So. It's, it's, it's a topic definitely that we, we'll touch on in regards to some of this stuff and how to just, just be mindful of it. Yeah. And, so, and you, oh, go ahead, Eric. I, I was just going to ask, can you tell us a little bit about your organization? So it's called uh, Welcome to Reality, correct? Yes. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and, and how that uh, factors into the work that you're doing. Sure, no problem. I mean, a company we established, this is probably going on about close to 10 years now. It came a, came about in regards to uh, Marcus and Anthony actually teaching at um, higher institutions here. And, and, 
you know, collaborated, did it a class project in regards to the with some students here, and just some of the responses and information they were getting back from the students in regards to the ideal world that they're living. I'm not going to get long-winded about it, but I just kind of want to just, just some of the results that they were getting in, in regards to, we talk about, interesting, we're talking about trafficking here. I think one of the one of the things they wanted to have in his ideal world was actually women having wearing bracelets and having like noted like sexual encounters on their bracelets. These are college students and this is and they were very serious about though having this done as far as for females, but not for guys here. So just All think right. about yeah, so just think about that in regards to just how they're seeing the world. Oh um, but so the question came about like what more can we do? And obviously, I got pulled in in regards to with Marcus and Anthony as well, too. So it snowballed into producing a documentary, which is still every time we want to shut it down, we get more information. But it turned into you know, a documentary and it snowballed into opportunities as far as not only continuing education, but just um, you know, advocating and talking about these topics around impact of social media, um, other topics as we're talking about now, DMST or what have you. And this, and this stuff is just, you know, fortunate enough, it's taken us domestically and internationally to, to touch on, on a lot of this stuff here. Again, again, it literally started around social media, which led into those topics that I mentioned, but also some legislative work as far as getting some, some bills passed in Connecticut, being leads on that. So a lot of different areas is, is taking us too and like I said we've been fortunate enough to do some continuing education on work at, at um, colleges and we're looking forward actually to being at the University of Albany um, this upcoming Wednesday yeah. so and again I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of how we came together but that's just basically how it started um, in, the, in those class settings Marcus and Anthony conducting the project with some students and it was just like the results just made us ask what more can we do thus Welcome to Reality was formed. Wow, that's exciting. And it sounds like you're doing really important work and, and work that extends uh, social work beyond just direct practice. I mean, it sounds like you are taking the ideals of social work and, and the need to impact a community and to Im impact policy and impact law and, and really lo looking at bigger pictures and, and within a community. Oh, no, definitely. And I think when we started, we didn't, wasn't even thinking about the legislative piece. But again, we know, obviously, in social work, that's a huge part um, of being a social worker here, trying to make changes. And how do we make changes? We got to get them in writing. So um, that kind of led us into that, to that arena as far as the legislative world, definitely. And can you talk a little bit about some other areas that you're working on, more at this macro level? Are you doing some things with the Child Welfare League of America to get your curriculum published or tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, yeah, certainly. So, you know, for those in the School of Social Work, you're probably familiar with this. Many of us wear many hats, as they say. So I have the fortunate privilege to be connected to uh, quite a few uh, respected and renowned agencies and organizations throughout the country and some international. So uh, I actually work in part with the Child Welfare League of America, whose headquarters is in Washington, D.C. And prior to my uh, more involved employment, I provided uh, supports and services, services for them as an independent contractor and a consultant. So very early on, they were connected to the work that we were doing at Welcome to Reality, uh, had an opportunity to work uh, directly and indirectly with Karan and Anthony, my other colleagues and co-owners. And they fully recognize the value and importance of this work. 
And up to most recently, in the midst of COVID taking place, we actually partnered with them and we facilitated a 90-minute webinar on this very topic that was open for everyone across the country. And we had over 900 participants um, from every time zone and a few people, few folks, excuse me, outside of the United States borders participate. And again, it just resonates and let us know that there is an acute need for some more attention in this way. And uh, we are currently in the process of figuring out how we could develop some type of learning materials, documentation, training guides that can help on a macro level for planning development support, for guidance in terms of standards and excellence, excellence and also for implementation. And Karan makes a great point. It's like once you get a handle on some of these things, there's a new app, there's a new feature, there's a yeah. new topical area that needs attention. So really just trying to find the opportunity to find content areas, um, Eric, that are that stand the test of time as opposed to the knee-jerk kind of trending impulsive response. So that's why we've been really walking this through with a level of precision and also thinking about the long-term impact that it can have. And we're just, you know, we learn something new every day and every chance we get an opportunity to share, we certainly do so. One thing that I think about just listening to, you know, I think about social media and it's, it's so, Obviously, it's so omnipresent in our society. It's everywhere. I mean, if you think about um, certainly the news recently about TikTok and WhatsApp and all the, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, every, it's, it's everywhere, right? Um, but you're, uh, it, it's often, I feel like there's an embedded uh, mystery sometimes in terms of how these uh, types of social media can be misused by people with, um, you know, with uh, murky intent, I guess, for lack of a better word. And, um, you know, I wonder when you're promoting um, the education around social media and around how, particularly for public schools and for kids, you know, how they can be more aware of the multiple purposes and dangers of social media. What what are some of the ways that, um, you know, that, that, that educational process can can help raise awareness around social media? Sure, so maybe I would uh, make an effort to respond to that piece on the family side of that, and perhaps okay. Karan might be interested in talking a little more about what school systems can do, or specifically what we've been able to put in place in Connecticut. So at Welcome to Reality, for everything that you just said, we've seen that through and through. And sometimes people just need a little guidance and direction. So at Welcome to Reality, we've developed something that we call the basic model. And they're very simple steps for instantaneous application that could help families, foster parents, caregivers, caretakers, all those who are connected to protected and nurturing children. And quickly, if I could, I'd like to share them with you. So the B stands for be present, right? So be present, not just in the house or in the household, be present, be connected to who your kids are connected to, what are their interests, spend some real time with them. The second one is ask questions, real questions, open-ended questions that will elicit further dialogue and discussion. The second, the third one is the S, which is for supervise. Again, supervision, just because the child is physically in the home or in the premises, in these days, it means much different, you know, so you have to be able to be 
know what's happening in their world. What are their interests? What are their likes? What are their hobbies? And that also goes into I, which is investigate. And we tell families all the time, don't be afraid to be a parent. You know, you could be cool and have a good relationship with your child, but there's some things developmentally that although they think they know, we understand that that's not the case yet. And we thought the same thing when we were in their space. So how do we investigate to make sure that they're moving appropriately so we can support them for productiveness and, uh, you know, leave them in good standing. And the last one, Eric, is the contract. Contract. So, you know, that's more of a proactive approach instead of a reactive approach. So what are some things that as a family you could put in place ahead of time? So what is, what is your what should your child do if somebody approaches them and requests them that they don't know? What should they do if there's an unwarranted inquiry on their behalf? How should they respond? And again, having that level of conversation, because what we learn from kids even, and we learn this actually internationally, Quran and I, a lot of times the kids aren't af are less afraid of what the consequence is. They're more afraid that the parents are just going to cold turkey remove them from all technology. And that right. alone will make them still put themselves in harm's way for fear of having that level of disconnection. So again, in that class, we'll talk a little more on Wednesday of some of these pieces and also offer some strength-based solution-focused su suggestions, solutions, and strategies for consideration. That's great. And Quran, do you want to add a little bit about the, uh, the school's role in this? Uh, sure, yeah. no problem. And I think with the schools, first and foremost, they got to acknowledge there's a problem. I mean, sometimes depending on where the school is at, whether it's the inner city, suburban, rural areas here, um, get off the mindset like this doesn't happen here. You know, um, and I think just being more um, preventative versus reactive. And I think taking that preventative route, you know, having, you know, people, whether it's Marcus, myself, or just other people in with different disciplines, having them educate them and that awareness, that awareness. And so I think the school needs to be aware of nothing else, again, because again, you don't want to have this problem and then all of a sudden you got any and everybody coming into the schools to help out where this problem could have been avoided. And then I think the other thing too, again, some of the legislative stuff, I know going back to that, but that's on a bigger frame as far as Connecticut, the state, the state or federal, but start in-house with your own rules and policies. Look at some of the rules as far as in that town schools district here, just seeing what stuff can be changed or altered or just flat out removed because it's, it's, it's prehistoric. It's prehistoric as far as just updating the policies or what have you. And so I think just from a school level, just again, just one, being aware versus being totally reactive and scrambling to get things in place. And I think too, just kind of just looking in-house in that school district in itself and its own rules and implementing stuff there. Again, not trying to add more stuff to, to the schools because again, believe me, we know there's a lot going on as far as educating and stuff, but there's some things that can be pulled away because kids are learning different. And I think, um, and I think that's important. Right. Now, I just have, as we, as we wrap up here, I just wanted to know if people are listening and they can't come to the training or they're listening at a later date, what are some resources for, for parents, for teachers, for educators, for anyone who cares about this topic and wants to know more, where can they find more information? So, you know, Alyssa, oh, I'm sorry, come on. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> It's okay. Thank you. So I would just say, you know, although we're living in a virtual world right now when people might be at home, it seems like our level of tasks and responsibilities seemingly have increased. So if people aren't able to join us on Wednesday for our training here at the University of Albany, we would ask them to go to our website, 
www.welcome2reality.us. And there they can find some information about a variety of topics, additional learning opportunities. And Eric, to your point, where we're talking about resources, mm -hmm. um, they will see something that we have there called the Parents' Corner. And there is information in there that are for easy access, that are free of charge. And then also on a larger level, uh, we have made reference to Media Literacy Now. They are a national advocate for media literacy in general. Uh, if you're from different states, you can get information of what your state might be doing or not doing around media literacy and also get some guidance and uh, some instruction how to consider moving work forward where you live. Yeah, I was really curious about that piece because you're both working out of Connecticut and obviously we're here in New York State. Um, but it sounds like through media literacy now you've got a sense of what's going on nationally and what different states are doing. And do you have a sense of how Connecticut um, I mean, is Connecticut sort of one of the leading states in this? Or are they catching up? Or how, you know, how does that fit in nationally? Yeah, so Eric, as we wrap up, that's a fantastic question. So with this assistance of media literacy now, who actually offered us the template on how we should approach the leg legislative process, Connecticut is in, in the top, I would say, five or six states so on their website, they have a map of the United States, and I believe that we are identified as emerging leaders. So out of the top 50 states, and we can look there for clarity, but I think Connecticut is somewhere within five to seven, mm. in the fifth or seventh in the nation. So yes, we've had great opportunity to kind of participate in this work and also with Karan being a chapter lead for the state and me having representation on the National Advisory Council for Media Literacy Now, it also gives us a better pulse of what's working well in other other states that can help inform others who were just starting as well. Great. So if you've just tuned in, we've been talking with Marcus Stallworth and Karan Webb, both of whom work at Welcome to Reality from uh, Connecticut. And they both have been talking with us about some of the dangers of social media, some resources about how to address social media use and its role in uh, domestic minor sex trafficking, for example. And they're both doing a, a workshop here at the University of Albany, um, I believe this week. Is that right? This coming Wednesday? Yes, this Wednesday. Great. Alyssa, do you have other questions? No, I just wanted to say if people are interested and are listening to this before the workshop, you can register for this workshop or other continuing education workshops at the UAlbany School of Social Welfare's website, which is www.albany.edu backslash SSW, and then just click on the continuing education tab. Great. And we've really enjoyed this conversation. I know it, it probably seems short. I mean, there's usually once we get into the, the um, part of these conversations. There's so many things I want to ask and so much that I want to learn about. So I hope we could have you back at some point in the future and hear about what you continue to do. Um, I guess, you know, just as a final question, I just wanted to ask, what, what's next for you? Do you see a next, uh, for, for the two of you, is there another project in the future? Is there somewhere uh, maybe expanding this topic out? Where do you see yourself heading in the future with this work? Well, Eric, I, it's, oh, go ahead, Karan. I would. Yeah, I would, I would probably say, I mean, this work is going to be ongoing, as Marcus pretty much talked about um, early on, as far as 
when something stops, something else pops up here. But um, a lot of our work, too, we've been doing of late, too, been doing work around uh, you know, racial justice and also Black black men, um, as far as just the impact that they've been having and supporting them as far as, you know, from a social work um, perspective here. So we've been doing, you know, conducting a lot of uh, workshops around that as well, too. And obviously that's tied into social media because you talk about how media is portraying black males or even yeah. people of color as well, too. So we've been definitely, I had uh, both feet as far as in, into that as well of late as well, too. But again, we're doing stuff where, like I said, it's just not the cookie cutter, hey, this is the thing of the moment kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> We're, we're doing stuff where this is impactful and it's long-standing here as far as the work that we have. I don't know if Marcus wanted to add or anything. Um, no, I would. I think you hit all the things that I was thinking. And just to Karan's point, some of that work around uh, equity for, for men, men, uh, men of color, men in general, has really brought us into like the nonprofit arm. So we've actually branched off from Welcome to Reality and developed another branch of uh, reality-based services that'll focus a little more on some of those things uh, Karan just alluded to. So we're just really excited to understand that we have a privilege to have a platform and doing the best that we can to provide as many supports and resources to whoever we can. Well, it's always exciting for Alyssa and I to talk to uh, folks like yourself and, you know, social workers that are out there really making a difference and doing uh, unique, innovative work, work that needs to be done, work that is changing communities and uh, work that's pushing us forward and pushing us into the future. So thank you for your dedication and all the work that you're doing. Yes, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You're, you're always welcome back as guests. Like I said, anytime you want to come back to the social workers and talk again and update us, we'd love to have you back. Thank you. We look forward to that possibility. Absolutely. So you've been listening to the social workers here on WCDB, and we've been having a conversation uh, with Marcus Stallworth and Karan Webb from Connecticut's Welcome to Reality. Thanks for listening. And Alyssa, you want to say any uh, parting words before we sign off here? No, I just want to say this is a really, it's a topic that needs to be discussed more throughout my social work education. This was not something that was, I mean, it may have been mentioned in a class, but it was not something that was really focused on. And with the technology today and so many kids being able to connect with people right when they're in their own home and being able to talk to someone outside of the home that their parents might not even be aware of, this is topics that need to be discussed more. And I wanna thank our guests one last time for all the work that they've been doing with the legislation, the curriculum development, giving presentations, that micro, meso, macro approach. And uh, thank you for your work. Uh, thank you, Alyssa. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Absolutely. So stay tuned to The Social Workers. We'll be back next week with another show. And um, thanks for listening. You're listening to The Social Workers on WCDB Albany.